Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. As a collective, are we getting smarter or dumber? Let's be honest. Intelligence, the capacity for learning, logic, understanding, critical thinking, planning, self-awareness, problem-solving, emotional knowledge, reasoning, creativity, is a whole brain-body phenomenon. And in order to harness your natural intelligence, it's important to support your brain and body with the right foods it needs and turning down other inputs like pollution and toxins that can drag us down. Well, I'm very happy to say that returning to the show today is our friend, Mr. Max Lugavir. Max, the best-selling author and filmmaker, is here on the show to talk about how we can deal with misinformation overload in a very divisive world. But before we get there, here's a review for the wild diet that came in from Ryan. He says, The fat-burning man strikes again with an all-out assault on GMOs, non-organic fast food corporatism bringing light and influence to the farm-to-table lifestyle that'll put into perspective how our modern world has changed us. Great book, great recipes. I recommend this book for anyone wanting to regain control over their life. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Uh, I gotta say, reading this review, it's one of the best written kind of wordsmith reviews. I can tell that that you have fun with words in a similar way. You're probably even some sort of artist or a musician as well. But I, I really appreciate your sincere note here. And uh, and I appreciate that, that you like the recipes as well. If you're out there and you're looking for some free recipes, by the way, make sure to go to the blog and website fatburningman.com that I've been running for over 10 years with my wife, Allison. We have so many recipes there and many more to come. Now, if you'd like to try the wild diet for yourself, we have some good news for you. We dropped 20 bucks off the price of my online wild 30-day fat loss system, which includes the best meal plans we've ever put together. In this plan, we share 30 days of mouth-watering meals that are designed to help you drop fat with real food. They've been tried and tested by thousands of people all over the world for years, and uh, this is this is one of the things that Allison and I dedicate a lot of time and effort to, and we really hope to give back to the community by uh, by helping you all forward and, and helping you all take control of your own health. And the Wild 30 System Digital Package includes a fat loss manual that I wrote, which is a whole digital book package, a quick start guide, quick start audio, wild diet, cheat cheat, motivation journal, 30-day wild meal plan, and much more. So no matter which way you learn, whether it's reading, listening, video, I've really tried to accommodate everyone out there and uh, and help you as much as we can. No ridiculous workouts, calorie counting, or starvation required. So if you're ready to start shedding stubborn fat while eating delicious food, get our 30-day program for a limited time discount over at fatburningman.com slash wild30. That's W-I-L-D-3-0. Fatburningman.com slash wild30. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, we have a whole bunch of VR and 360 wildlife videos and music videos and other crazy and, and artistic stuff over there. We have virtual tours of Yellowstone, hiking into volcanoes, also some kind of mystical places like America's Stonehenge. All of that's available for free at abeljames.com. You'll see boiling mud pots, erupting geysers, elk mamas, nibbling veggies, 
and uh, me playing guitar out in the woods, my natural environment. <laughs> That's all at abeljames.com. And finally, if you'd like to support this show, please visit wildsuperfoods.com. That's where we have all of our uh, line of supplements that are lab tested for purity and potency and formulated according to the latest cutting edge developments in research, science, and medicine. These are the nutritional supplements and nutraceuticals that my wife and family and close friends and our community have been taking now for years. People seem to really like them. Even kids seem to like Future Greens. Future Greens is a combination of over a dozen different superfoods, foods that we've used to help detox, up our energy, and just generally fill out that nutritional spectrum, kind of like a whole foods-based uh, multivitamin supplement. So Future Greens taste good. Kids like it, lasts a long time on the shelf, even through the zombie apocalypse. So you can get all that over at wildsuperfoods.com. And when you sign up for the subscribe and save, we even throw in some free goodies. So be sure to go over to wildsuperfoods.com and help support us there. All right, on to the show with Max Lugavere. We're chatting about how to eat for your brain health, why it's important to eat the rainbow and not the sugary Skittles kind, how to get smarter in a confusing and divisive time, and tons more. Let's go hang out with Max. All right, folks, returning to the show today for the third time is our friend, Mr. Max Lugavere. He's a filmmaker, health and science journalist, New York Times bestselling author, and the genius behind the Genius Life podcast and the brand spanking new book, The Genius Life. Max, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks, Abel. I mean, you know, being friends with you, it's always such a pleasure to get to talk to you and to dive deep. And uh, I've really enjoyed having you on my podcast. And I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm really excited um, about the new book and just couldn't be more thrilled to, uh, yeah, to be at this place now where I think that, you know, with all the research and science that we have coming out by the day, we can actually provide a roadmap to people to feel better, to get healthier. And, um, and yeah, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny because before we started rolling, we were talking about you and I were talking about the fact that now in nutrition, despite all this amazing information, you know, it's sort of, it's become a double edged sword because we see these warring factions in the, in the nutrition space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I think that my approach is among the most balanced that you'll find, um, which can almost seem like an extreme viewpoint today to, to, Isn't to weird? embody balance. Yeah. It's yeah being weird. balanced is extreme. I'm, I'm kind of like a rebel in the similar way where everyone's attacking me for saying that people should probably eat their vegetables. I was like, what? No, I've been saying that the whole freaking time. Stop that. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> Especially, yeah. And, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show too, is the thing that concerns me is, is I think it's totally cool. If people want to be carnivore and eat that way for a while and vegan eat that way for a while, I've kind of essentially done both, both sides. And I think everyone should practice, find the edges, right? But what shouldn't happen is these people who, uh, in many ways, empower others through health and through their message that the health nuts out there shouldn't be pointing fingers at each other for their little differences and, and arguing when, you know, our collective health is falling off a cliff. It, it should be obvious to everyone that, that, you know, the health nuts can't be fighting if we want to save these other folks who are having a really hard time now. And it's not just a little hard. It's not like people are soft and, and have a few extra pounds. Like I kind of felt like when I was getting started in, the, in around 2010 or whatever, and, and kind of when we first met each other, it felt like things were getting better for a little while. And now it's like, good luck trying to get any message through, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think it's so stupid that people like people literally have developed reputations online and built huge followings for being essentially professional stone throwers. Yeah. And to me, yeah. it's um, it's so unfair because at the end of the day, I think, you know, everybody is really trying to just help in the mission to uh, get people to to reach their healthiest selves. We live in a time now where the obesity epidemic is skyrocketing, the type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes epidemic is skyrocketing. I was reading a study that came out positing that by the year 2030, one in two adults in the US are gonna be obese, not just overweight, but obese. That's insane. And arguing about these, nutrition, these different uh, nutritional factions, it's like arguing about religion. I mean, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're all trying to get our followers to the top of the mountain, right? Yeah. And inevitably, there are going to be multiple roads up to that top. If you go to a, the, as the, you know, as the, as the author of what are essentially quote unquote diet books, um, I'll tell you, if you go to your local bookstore and you pick up any of the diet books that are there and you adhere to them, they're all going to work, right? It's not that one is necessarily better than the other. You've got to find the plan that's going to be the most um, sustainable for you. Because really, that's what it's, what it's ultimately all about from a nutritional standpoint. So we have people from the vegan camp. We have people from the carnivore camp. And look, I, uh, I've interviewed carnivores on my podcast, and I, I always uh, learn from them. I'm yeah. not... Um, you know, I'm we, not. We one should of these all guys. be learning from each other, really. We're all doing our own little experiments, aren't we? Exactly. So I actually got into a little uh, Instagram battle fairly recently with somebody who claims to be, um, you know, a science-based food advocate, and uh, you know, and we were discussing the merits uh, or lack thereof or, of organic versus conventional. And yeah. I, you know, my general rule of thumb is if you're going to eat the skin or peel of a piece of produce, uh, you should opt for organic. And Which I agree, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's or the organic system is not perfect. There's mm -hmm. lots and lots of commerce tied to it. The mere nature of the food industrial complex today and the way that food is processed means that organic food isn't necessarily going to be free of having synthetic pesticides on it. Sometimes there's a cross-contamination effect that occurs. And organic foods also are not free without... Uh, pesticides in general, they have, um, or, you know, they have non-synthetic uh, pesticides on them sometimes. So there, we were just getting into this raging debate. And at the end of the day, I just think that it's, um, it, it lacks acknowledgement of the public health crisis and that people need to make decisions now. And, and, uh, you know, in the here and now when they're pushing their carts through the supermarket, and they need to know what, what it is that they can buy. And so at the end of the day, I think, it's important to be nuanced and to, um, you know, to discuss the pros and cons and to be uh, as transparent as possible. Um, but yeah, so it was just a funny argument to get into. And just to kind of close the loop on that, my stance is, you know, if you can't afford organic or you don't have access to organic, do not let that be a barrier to eating fruits and vegetables. Yeah. But if you can yeah. comfortably afford it, then it's probably worthwhile, um, both from a health standpoint and from an ecological standpoint, to buy produce organic you know, again, where you eat the skin of the peel. I don't think it's as important mm -hmm. to buy organic um, animal products necessarily. Um, you know, like if you're buying red meat, for example, it's more important that the cow is grass-fed than organic. Yeah, um, so this is all just semantics now and, and it's super confusing going down these rabbit holes. But the way I like to see it, and I think you do too, you can explain it in so many different ways, but it's like you want your food to be food to be as clean as possible, to, to not put 
further burden on your body by being something we're not well adapted to eat or something covered in synthetic chemicals or even natural chemicals. And the reason, at least that I try to explain to people that organic is generally speaking better than whatever else is out there isn't because organic is perfect and you can stop thinking about it right there it's not like this thing where oh we found it it's the organic aisle and i can eat everything here and it's healthy for me that's never going to work with whatever label label you slap on anything but on the, the spectrum there's permaculture there's organic and there are other kind of just like mom and pop clean farms and that's where you want to be getting your food. And then on the other side, there's industry and industrial monocrops and all of these chemicals that, yeah, maybe GMO chemicals work with GMO plants, but what do they do to the rest of the environment and all the birds and animals and the water systems and cancer years later that we all get but can't be directly tied to it? So it's like, it's a big conversation, but if you just look at the spectrum and you try to keep your food as clean as possible and you think about it every time you you put something in your mouth as food. It's like, you've got to think about it every time. It's never going to be totally easy. So there's no free lunch, as they say. Yeah. And you know, it, it is a, a, a privileged kind of point of view to have to say that we ought to know what every ingredient is and exactly where our food comes from. And that's just sort of the yeah. nature of the world that we live in today. You know, I mean, the, those of us who can afford to support a healthier, uh, uh, agriculture system should do so. Yeah. And that's the way to sort of even out the divide. And that's what I do. You know, that's what I try to promote. Um, even before I could, uh, you know, even when I, when, when times were tough, I was always, uh, I always made an effort to vote with my wallet. Yeah. And as a result of, of, you know, how I've chosen to live my life, but not just, not just me, how people in general seem to be wh where the trend seems to be heading in. Um, now you'll find organic at uh, Walmart. You'll see grass-fed and wild fish at um, grass-fed cows, wild fish at Costco, things like that. And that's all a result of the fact that you know consumers have demanded those consumers who have been able to um, you know demand higher quality food have done so. And that I think is ultimately for the betterment of everybody. It's the rising tide lifting all boats. At the end, yeah, of the day. yeah. And uh, there's a lot of bickering that could be done. The thing that's bad, I think, is that there's more and more and more bickering and the conversation gets more and more surfacey. What do you see as a possible solution to that? I think long form conversations like this one help, especially when different, you know, leaders of health get together and talk through things and, and what have you. But what do you see as the way forward? I mean, I think it's it's being open minded. I think it's always being willing to, to challenge your assumptions and your beliefs and having civil discourse, you know, mm -hmm. and, and being remaining skeptical, but never being a cynic, you know, being, being yeah. skeptical, but not cynical. I think that there's, a, there's an important distinction between those two characteristics. Oftentimes what you'll see online, because it's just so easy to be an armchair expert these days, yeah. um, especially on social media, and because we can, we're able to hide behind the veil of the disconnect, you know, when we're commenting on other people's posts, people can be pretty unkind. And I'm very lucky that the vast majority of comments that I get are actually, you know, they're nice and they're positive. But whenever I post anything that's even remotely uh, controversial, people will come out of the woodwork and say nasty things to me. And yeah. I'm just trying to help people, I mean, with my, with my work, as are you. Um, I posted the other day a good example of this. Um, I saw somebody on their feed post a stack of books that they said was it was just like a life-changing stack of books like you should know which of these books this. have you read really yeah um 
So you look through the books, you look at all the book titles, and it's literally a who's who of the plant-based doctors. Because um, I've seen you know, posts. It was Esselstyn. Uh, You've seen on. posts, yeah. <laughs> seen it was it was the China study. It was the Alzheimer's solution. It was forks over knives. It mm-hmm. was, I mean, you know, you you name it, basically. And I, I um, it was How Not to Die. Like, you know, those kinds of books where you can go through all how many things were represented by the dozen or so books that that were in the photo and you won't see anything positive stated about the value of animal products and in fact all you'll find are negative statements about the value of animal products and so i took a screen grab of that bookshelf and i put it up on my instagram stories and i didn't say anything unkind but i said talk about an echo chamber alternate viewpoint infiltrating this information and if you're basing your 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 information diet around just those few hand curated nutrients that's essentially what that's going to lead to is information malnutrition which i think that we're seeing you know become a pervasive phenomena today and somebody saw that story on my feed and and sent me a message call calling me a literal cancer for just saying that, that this is an echo chamber, that you might benefit Yikes. from having an alternate viewpoint thrown into the mix. And thankfully, I, you know, I have thick skin. I grew up in New York City, so it didn't really affect me. But if, if the I use didn't of the word such literal skin, there bothers me. <laughs> yeah, literal cancer. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe a meta, you know, a figurative cancer <laughs> or a metaphorical cancer. No, people using words wrong is one of my little things. You could probably see in the poetry book. I just, I go mad when people use words that are even carnivore like if i understand what you're doing and i don't want to like judge anyone but it's like if you're calling yourself a carnivore and you're drinking any coffee or you're eating any little bit of plants or you're taking any herbs you're an omnivore you're not a carnivore (laughs) you're just eating a lot of meat you're an omnivore yeah (laughs) a thousand percent a thousand percent but i mean you could argue this semantics of calling yourself plant-based if you're a vegan totally i eat a plant-based diet right with meat right that, that's if what you a, are the a, wild diet i is plant-based mostly by volume but you could totally by calories make it animal-based if you wanted to and you can explain these things in all sorts of confusing ways but why stop yeah it's like you're a carbon-based life form you've got you're made in part of carbon but you're not a diamond I mean, you are able to you are, you are a diamond thank but you max if you were if you were solely carbon you'd be a diamond so yeah i think we need to be a little bit uh more careful with language language is important and that's one of the things that i learned as a journalist actually yeah. working for six seven years for current tv which was my first job out of college mm-hmm. that language is important you say the wrong thing to an audience 100 million people and you know i mean you just got to be really careful so yeah words are confusing enough without yeah. kind of like abusing them. And I think actually, if anything, if the internet and social media have done anything, it's buying and selling words without agreeing on the meaning of them. And and now like the meaning of all these words is extremely confusing. You look at something like keto, which a lot of, you know, well-intended health nuts jumped on that train, but you walk into Whole Foods or another health food store or whatever that may or may not be owned by Amazon. And you see all these keto products that have a ton of sugar in them, which inherently is not keto, but people who are buying it don't know that because it's all lowest common denominator salesmanship. And and that's what we're up against. It's bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, we are. I'm glad you brought that up. We are seeing a proliferation of ultra processed foods now with the keto halo. And um, I don't think that these are any better for us, really. They might prevent, you know, glucose excursions that you might get from a from a grain based product. And so I think they're they're probably probably better city. And if you have glucose tolerance issues, like many people do, um, I think that these products can be a, a good choice. But if you're trying to lose weight or even just cut up a little bit, these products can be so high in added fat. And, yeah. um, you know, I was looking at a keto protein bar the other day, and it was really a fat bar. Why right. do I need to add? The way that I look at it is every, if I'm trying to, it depends on your goals. If I'm trying to lose weight, uh, or even lean out just a little bit, every additional gram of added fat that I'm consuming is another gram of fat that I'm not vacuuming out of my own fat supplies I carry around my waist with me. And double the calories of the other macros too. Yeah, double the calories of the other macros. So actually, the nutritional recommendations that I make in my new book, The Genius Life, are different from those that I make in Genius Foods because in this book, what I'm really trying to do is to help people shift their bodies to a, a more optimal composition, both yeah. in terms of the ratio of lean mass to fat mass, in a way it doesn't actually have them obsessing over macros or even calories. I think we see a lot of people now in the fitness world who um, are obsessed with calorie counting and macro tracking and things like that. And I think it's important to remind people that if you look at any of the world's remaining hunter-gatherers or even at our ancestors, what you'll notice is that they all possess bodies that anybody would describe as being athletic. And yet none of them are on my fitness pal. None of them are tracking macros on spreadsheets or anything like that. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of reframe the conversation around food. And now we're at this amazing point where we have science to really um, kind of free us from this obsession with uh, macros. And, you know, I think that's important because today we live in a, a time where most of the calories that we consume come from ultra processed foods. And I think that that really, if, if you can kind of just, you know, minimize your consumption of the processed foods, then you're really going to see the most, the most bang for your buck. And this is not carbs. This is not fat shaming or, or anything like that. Um, since I published Genius Foods, there was actually a great study that came out from the National Institutes of Health led by uh, obesity re researcher Kevin Hall. I'm not sure. You probably are familiar with the study. It was a yeah, crossover study ahead. where they found that basically, yeah, basically people who were given an ultra-processed food diet um, were actually, when they consumed, when they ate to satiety, it was an ad libitum feeding system, they basically overate by about 500 additional calories. So it put them automatically just eating to satiety and a calorie surplus, which is going to cause you to gain fat. When they switched over and they had them eat predominantly a whole foods diet, so foods like, you know, grass of beef, wild salmon, eggs, dark leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, things like that, you know, single ingredient foods, that they actually came in at a calorie deficit. And they ate to the same degree of satiety. So for people that are sick of counting calories, I mean, all you really need to do, I think, is to kind of just look at the quality of the food that you're eating and start there. The other recommendations that I make, um, it's really the kind of the two tent poles of the nutritional recommendations that I make in the new book are, are that. The other thing about processed food, I think most people are, are not really aware of, is that when you eat whole foods, a significant portion of the calories that you're consuming actually pass through you so there was a study that just came out. Um, it was funded by the USDA, actually. It found was that whole nuts have actually about 30% fewer calories than was previously thought. 
Because when you eat whole nuts, yeah, yeah, it was super interesting. When you eat whole nuts, particles in the nuts actually pass through you undigested. And how they did this study was they basically took subjects, human subjects, they gave them whole nuts to eat. And then they looked at the calorie residue in their stool. So it's kind of a gross study, but needed to be done. Yeah. And what they found was that there were that about 30% of the calories that they had consumed, you know, that you might count when looking at the at the serving at the nutrition facts label on those whole nuts, yeah, actually went straight through. And so when you take uh, nuts and you turn nuts into nut butter, which is basically processing it, almost mm-hmm. pre-digesting it in a way, you absorb 100% of those calories. Wow. So the mere processing actually affects how we digest it, how rapidly, um, if we're talking about higher carb foods, how rapidly that sugar uh, gets absorbed and, and you know infuses into our bloodstreams. So processing might be inherently fattening for that reason. And the fact that these foods make us overconsume them, mm-hmm. um, there's probably also a relationship between the degree of food processing and the rate of you know mastication and yeah. you know the, how fast we consume it. I would think. Right. I mean, it's a lot easier to chew and swallow processed foods. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And again, if you look at any of the world's blue zones, hunter gatherer communities, you'll you'll see wide variation in terms of their diets. You'll see some communities on low fat diets, you'll see some communities on low carb diets, but the the common thread among all of them is that their foods are minimally processed. So that's it. You know, this is not a dogmatic recommendation at all. It's just about avoiding to the best of your ability, ultra processed foods. Um, yeah, the other recommendations that I make, I think are more, um, I, I really put the focus on protein in the new book, which I think is something that the fitness community, you know, the fitness community is well aware of the value of protein, but this is not something that I think most people, um, like the masses, really know about. Especially when the media tells them every other day that we're eating too much protein, mm-hmm. and that protein is somehow harmful to us or harmful for our our kidneys if we're healthy. Which you know, we know that that's not true at this yeah. point. Um, you mentioned earlier that fat has about twice the calories per gram of carbs and protein, but I think what's super interesting to know is that. Protein, because it has has the highest thermic effect mm-hmm. of either um, fat or carbs, you actually burn off about 30% of the calories that you consume from protein. So protein actually, you might almost consider protein having three calories per gram, which is sort of a metabolic free ride, you know, for, for a third of the food that you're eating, if yeah. it's a high protein food. Especially if you're hungry, because protein is so quickly filling. I find, especially if you don't go crazy on the fat, if you if you have like a fair amount of fat versus like outrageous amounts of fat, there's a big difference. There is a big difference. Yeah, it's called the protein leverage hypothesis that basically posits that our our hunger mechanisms are driven by a requirement for for nutrients like nitrogen and mm-hmm. amino acids. You know, and that when we underconsume protein, we overconsume fat and carbs, which are basically energy. But we'll eat until we basically um, meet our requirements for nitrogen containing amino acids, essential acids. Yeah. So it's a super powerful tool for people. It is the most satiating of the macronutrients. Um, You're going to have the highest thermic effect in a piece of protein, um, whether that's a chicken breast, a piece of grass beef. Conversely, you get the lowest thermic effect in processed foods. So again, the way that we metabolize processed foods is different than the way we, we metabolize whole foods. We actually, you'll see double the thermic effect in whole foods compared to processed foods. And carbs and fat have the lowest thermic effect, um, regardless of, of where the carbs and fat come from. So 
you're doing your metabolism a favor by opting at every meal, like prioritizing protein. I think it's super important. And also it's a great way to avoid what I call snack accidents. You know, are you, have you ever had a snack accident, Abel James? Never. It has never happened never. once in my life. <laughs> never happened once. Yeah. I'm just as prone to, to this phenomena as I think anybody else. Um, when you have like a bag of, I don't know, let's just say paleo puffs sitting in front of you. Sure. Yeah. You can blow um, right through those things. The, the ones that evaporate in your mouth, right? The ones that disappear so that you can never fill up on them. Yeah. That's by design. Yeah. <laughs> well, this phenomenon of processed foods, I find that, um, you know, it really short circuits your brain's reward center. Um, you know, uh, whenever I put one of these snacks in my mouth, I'm literally thinking about the next bite while I'm chewing the right. current bite. That's the degree to which they become addictive, yeah. I think. It's not any one macronutrient that's, that's you know, more addictive than the other. I don't think that, you know, I think that the claims around sugar being addictive have been a little bit over, overstated. You know, you don't see yeah. people mining pure sugar. I think it's the combination of sugar, fat, salt, wheat yep. um, that take a food, really make it hyper palatable, make it prone to overconsumption. And that's why... You know, that's why I think people have these snacks where they open up, you know, a bag of chips or a pint of ice cream. They only intend on having a little bit, but before you know it, the entire pint is gone. Yeah. Gone. Protein is a great way to to basically prevent that from happening. Um, by reaching for higher protein snacks, whether it's uh, pork rinds with nutritional yeast on it, which is an amazing snack, um, grass-fed beef jerky, which I'm a huge fan of, salmon jerky even, because protein is the most satiating of the macronutrients, it's essentially like taking a sniper rifle um, and and shooting down your hunger in its tracks. Yeah, a couple hundred, cal 150, couple hundred calories. You really don't need much more than that, especially if a large portion of that is protein. I find that out on hikes uh, or, or when I'm traveling, just like one of those tiny little healthy grass-fed Slim Jims, right? Or like a little bit of uh, jerky, like you mentioned, nuts, sardines oysters all these like that's the full meal and i probably won't need to eat again and that might be like my my three o'clock meal right and i won't need to eat again until probably three hours later like six and then i'll have my my actual meal but you feel great you still feel like you have plenty of fuel you might be a little bit hungry like you could still eat but you feel good right like you have proper fuel and protein really does that yeah, protein really does that. Um, I, I've for a long time I've prioritized protein uh, whenever I eat. Um, you know that might be coming from uh, you know a bias that I've always had towards weightlifting and, and fitness and things like that, which I think yeah. are crucially important. Yep. Um, but but the research now is coming out suggesting that you know the RDA that that asks us to get 0.8. Um, 0.8 grams per pound uh, or per kilogram of protein every day uh, might actually be, um, you know, about half of what we actually require for optimal health. So the latest uh, research findings suggest that about 1.6 grams per kilogram of lean mass um, really seems to be the most effective in terms of growing and maintaining uh, lean mass, you know, helping shift our bodies to a more optimal weight. And because, you know, Abel, I'm super passionate about brain health, there is an interesting study that I found that, um, you know, drew a pretty strong association between higher protein consumption and less amyloid beta. 
um, in the brains and cerebrospinal fluid of subjects. So whether or not it's the, it's the protein that's providing a protective effect, um, the dietary protein that's providing a protective effect, or the fact that eating more protein is going to make us less inclined to eat carbon fat laden junk foods. Yeah. Uh, that remains a question mark, but um, I think protein is just a very powerful tool for anybody. And um, and prioritizing at every meal, uh, I think, super important. It's also like, as I'm, I mean, as we both discussed already, it's so satiating. It's like most yeah. people can't recall a time that they overindulged on chicken breast or or fish or lean yeah. meat or anything like that. It it's just hard. doesn't happen. It, it the doesn't la- really work. I, yeah. <laughs> It's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to do. You just kind of lose tastes for it after a while. It just, it, you know, again, it kills your appetite. Um, and, uh, and yet, you know, you can, I think, very easily think about the last time um, you overindulged on carbs and fat. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's cool. I think, you know, providing this, this information for people, freeing them from this dogma that to be healthy today, you have to count your calories and track yeah. your macros. Um, yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's it's cool. And the other thing that I think is important is you know the like acknowledging that nobody's going to be perfect one hundred percent of the time. So yes. this eighty twenty rule, I think, is actually really valuable. Um, you know, rather than thinking about uh, you know having your hyper palatable processed food as a cheat meal, I think it's probably more worthwhile to think of them as planned indulgences. Yeah, and, and life uh, kind of gives you those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life definitely will throw you those indulgences. I think it's a it's a more positive way to think about. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, like like eating whatever it happens to be, whether it's you know an entire bag of dried mango, which I'm prone to consuming if you put it anywhere you know within sure. six feet of me, um, or uh, you know ice cream or whatever. Well, by having these planned indulgences, actually can benefit our our metabolisms and can you know lead to higher adherence to our dietary plans. Um, and yeah, super, super, super crucial. Now, another thing that I've heard you rail on is sous vide cooking, microwaving plastics. doesn't matter how clean your food is if the way you're preparing it or storing it is, is infusing it with plastics or, or yeah. other crap, right? Let's rail on that a little. Yeah. So one of the, one of the major topics that I cover in um, the genius life is environmental toxins. And my goal really in writing the book, and I hope I've achieved it is not to fear monger, but to just kind of alert people uh, and implore people to become more sort of um, curious about the environmental uh, industrial chemicals to which they are routinely exposed and plastic and plasticizing compounds are among the most common, what are called endocrine disruptors. So compounds that are able to affect the way that your finely tuned system of hormones works. And the two most common that you'll find in the environment are phthalates and bisphenols. I say bisphenols, um, most people are are familiar with bisphenol A or BPA. um, And there's a growing sort of consumer concern around uh, BPA. And so what you're seeing now is manufacturers removing BPA from their products, but they're replacing it with other uh, chemically similar compounds like right. BPS yeah. or BPF. And there's no reason to suspect that they're any um, less problematic. Yeah. What the, the problem with these compounds is that they, they've, I mean, BPA, for example, um, has been known for a century at this point to possess profound uh, estrogenic properties, meaning it can block uh, the way that the hormone estrogen works in your body or it can activate receptors um, for that hormone, and, and we know that certain cancers are uh, sensitive to estrogen and other hormones. Um, 
the uh, dose that somebody would typically be exposed to BPA in the environment today can alter insulin function um, in the body. Um, and we're just, you know, we're, we're inundated with, with these compounds, whether it's flame retardants in our furniture or phthalates in our, you know, in our food storage um, containers or, uh, you know, in, our, in, in fragrances that we use to make our homes smell nice um, or BPA, which is found in everything from, uh, you know, the inner linings of aluminum cans to plastic reusable storage bottles to coating the uh, store register receipts, you know, even at, at big healthy supermarkets, you'll find store receipts that are just coated with BPA, which again is a, is a, is a potent endocrine disruptor. And the danger with these chemicals is that as an adult, they can affect, um, everything from, as I mentioned, you know, the way that the hormone insulin works to our predisposition to fat storage, uh, to our risk for certain diseases, to our brain function, to our energy levels, to libido sex function, things like obviously, you know, estrogen is a sex hormone. Um, but if you're exposed to these compounds earlier in life, they could potentially have lifelong effects. Yeah. So that's why I think they're all deserving of a more of a little bit more scrutiny, mm-hmm. um, especially when we touch the store register receipt, receipts. Um, Side note, when we use hand sanitizer prior to or after handling these receipts, it dramatically, by at least an order of magnitude, increases uh, the permeability of our skin to these environmental toxins. So you want to minimize you know, your exposure to these heat-sensitive store receipts, and you certainly don't want to use hand sanitizer before or immediately after handling them. You want to wash your hands um, after touching them. But think about how treacherous it is that we handle these, these receipts and then we hold the hands of our loved ones, right? You know where where these compounds can enter circulation. Um, we get them in our mouths, you know, because humans, whether we like to admit it or not, we rarely practice hand to mouth behavior. Um, so it's just a it's just a major problem. And so in the book, what I do is I I alert people to the most common um, endocrine disruptors in their environment. I have become uh, kind of passionate about the work of an organization called the Endocrine Disruption Exchange, which mm-hmm. people should check out. I think the website is tedx.org. And uh, I interviewed the executive director on, on my podcast. And it's an organization dedicated to raising awareness for and tracking all of the most, uh, you know, all of the endocrine disruptors in, in the environment that a human may, um, you know, plausibly uh, interact with on a daily basis. And they're tracking 1,400 um, known compounds ranging from, you know, wow. certain heavy metals to fluoride to phthalates, BPA to BPS, parabens and things like that. Um, and so it's not that any one of these compounds is going to cause major harm, I don't think, but the overall burden of toxicity today has just become so overwhelming for our, for our defense systems that I think wherever you can kind of minimize your exposure, I think it's probably worthwhile. And then I talk about detoxification in the book. Mm-hmm. So detox is something that has become co-opted by the wellness industry. It's a term that you slap it on anything. Suddenly that product has a halo effect. Right. And, you know, and people are spending lots and lots of money on these detox teas and things like that. So what I talk about in the book is how to detox without any of that crap. You know, mm-hmm. essentially the three P's of healthy elimination are to pee regularly, to poop regularly, and to perspire regularly. Yeah. And, um, and just making sure that you're doing those things, you're going to the bathroom on a regular basis, you are staying hydrated because 
a solution to pollution is dilution. So making sure that you're, um, you're drinking fluids throughout the day or, or consuming uh, produce that contains water or drinking herbal teas and broths and things like that. And then perspiring on a regular basis. So making sure that you're sweating regularly, whether that means sitting in a sauna or, or exercising regularly, doing some hot yoga, um, or even, you know, I'm not a major, I don't sweat that much when I work out. So sometimes I'll just wear uh, a hoodie in the gym until I build up that sort of level of body heat yeah. and I start to sweat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about kind of just p- giving people like the tools to take ownership over their health and their surroundings. Um, and, um, and I know that you're a big advocate for that at all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I We're actually coming up on time, but I want to make sure we talk about this too. I heard you talk about it recently on another podcast as well. It's the fact that you, wherever you're going, you're protecting your ears. You actually carry a decibel meter. This is another thing that I do as well. I've seen a lot of people, especially in the music world, lose their hearing, which is not a small thing, especially if you're a musician or you do what we do. I mean, it's like, we need our ears so bad. But I would love to hear like some of the environments that you found yourself in that surprised you how loud it was, because it's not always what we expect. Yeah, so I talk about the fact that um, loud and annoying noise exposure can actually stimulate the body's sympathetic nervous system and fight or flight response without your consent and how that is now being tied to dramatically increased risk for any number of chronic diseases, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and even worse, um, you know, uh, like an impaired executive function in children, Um, just chronic exposure. We know that it's disturbing, but it also stimulates the body's fight or flight response, which um, can lead to chronic elevations of the hormone cortisol, which we know actually can negatively affect brain function and actually shrink the memory center of the brain. Right. So it seems to be the case that people who live close to um, busy intersections and are regularly exposed to, uh, you know, to road noise um, or noise pollution, you can call it or even what uh, is, is referred to in the literature as um, noise annoyance. So living close to an airport, for example, regularly yeah. hearing planes go overhead. Um, it can actually be damaging to one's health. So what I recommend um, for people is to invest, you know, if you're in one of those situations, uh, to invest in a pair of noise blocking headphones that you can use or earplugs so that you can make sure that your environment is quiet. Um, you know, insulating your, your apartment for sound um, is going to be a little bit more pricey, but I think worth it if you know you regularly experience noise pollution in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to to the health of our ears, um, and that's going to go a long way, you know, like to making to to reduce the risk of noise induced hearing loss. Um, there actually is a very interesting study that was published recently uh, that found that, and I, th- I believe it came out after I had written my new book, but it reminds me. Um, this, this, this discussion reminds me of the fact that, um, you know, hearing loss is actually uh, dramatically related to having increased for dementia, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, the more closed in we get into our own environments, I mean, that feeling of loneliness and isolation yeah. uh, can be damaging to our, to our cognitive health. There have been a few studies, um, and I, I make the recommendation that if people aren't consuming adequate magnesium, um, that they should look in their diets to find ways of optimizing that or even to take a magnesium supplement. It's one of the few supplements that I take every day. Um, there have been a number of studies that have found that magnesium can actually reduce the risk uh, of noise-induced hearing loss. Wow. So, yeah, they do this with um, people uh, on like army bases that are regularly exposed to gunfire. They'll, right. Like randomized control trials find that the supplementation with magnesium can actually prevent uh, noise-induced hearing damage. Isn't that and amazing? So if I find myself in a 
it's amazing. Yeah. So if I regularly find myself in a loud um, environment or a nightclub, if I get dragged out to one, um, I come home and I, I take a little bit extra magnesium. Huh. I didn't know that trick. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, you can Google it. Magnesium. I mean, you know, it's on. There have been a number of studies published on PubMed. Yeah. Dating back to, I believe, the 70s uh, that you'll find that magnesium seems to be an effective prophylactic for material wow. loss. And, and I can vouch too, just the, the power of putting something over your ears that protects you from outside wind, sound, just distraction. It can be a great focus aid, even if you don't have any music on or any you know noise in there, even if you're just getting some silence going, that can be very powerful for focus and for sleep. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, making sure that your room environment, I mean, humans can get used to persistent noise. So white noise can actually be a great way to drown out True, yeah. um, more spontaneous sounds that might, uh, be noise act as a noise um, a source of a noise annoying and negatively affect your sleep so i'm a big fan of white noise um but yeah generally making sure that you are kind of tending to our our sense of hearing is the only sense that we can't consciously disengage so you have to be really careful about what you allow to enter your ears i mean you also have to be conscious of uh, what you allow on your skin about the light that you allow to enter your eyes um, but hearing just because we can't consciously disengage it, I think it becomes, um, all the more valuable to, uh, to be just cognizant of, of the noise that we are routinely exposed to, especially because, you know, once your hearing goes, it doesn't really, you know, it's unlikely to come back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Max, we're just about out of time, but, um, please tell folks where they can find your new book, your podcast and all the other cool stuff you're working on. Yeah, thank you, Abel. So my new book is called The Genius Life. You can pre-order it wherever you buy books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, or you can go to geniuslifebook.com and pre-order there, but it's available everywhere. Um, My podcast is also called The Genius Life. Hit subscribe. Um, Abel's been on it, and uh, I think we're about to record our second, you know, his second appearance on it, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, That's called The Genius Life. And then I'm very active on Instagram, at Max Lugavere. It's M-A-X-L-U-G-A-V-E-R-E. Come say hi. Right on. Max, we need you, man. Keep doing your work. Uh, Yeah, we need you more than ever. Anyone out there who hasn't listened to Max's podcast, read his books, or checked out, I mean, you've you've done a lot of projects over the years. I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. Let me ask you this. How many servings of veggies have you had so far today? Hmm, how about this week? Like it or not, recent studies show that 9 out of 10 of us do not eat the recommended amount of daily fruits and veggies. Now, if you're one of those uncompromising health nuts who gets more than 10 servings of veggies a day, you can ignore what I'm about to say. Now, for the rest of you, listen up. If you're looking to improve your health and increase the amount of nutrition in your diet with fruits and veggies without the sugar, you're going to love our new creation called Future Greens. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling fiber from whole organic veggies, sprouts, algaes, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. We think it tastes great, and we even heard that some kids think that Future Greens taste pretty good too. All of our products at Wild Superfoods are lab-tested for purity and potency, 
and formulated according to the latest cutting-edge developments in research, science, and medicine. We have extremely high standards when it comes to our health, and we know you do too. Guaranteed nutrition, no matter where you are. That's our promise to you. So check out Wild Superfoods, and please get in touch to tell us what you think. Just head over to wildsuperfoods.com to get the scoop on Future Greens, and you can save 20% when you select subscribe and save. All you have to do is visit wildsuperfoods.com to get the deal. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Fat Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second, please leave me a quick review for the Fat Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show. And if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or a family member. And if they're like, what is this fat burning man thing? That's a really silly name. You could be like, you're right, but here's the deal. We've recorded over 250 episodes of the fat burning man show with thought leaders in health from all over the world. And so far, We've won four awards, hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. We'll give you a, a second here just to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of the Fat Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, enter your email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now, along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox. This is Abel James signing off. Thank you so much for listening once again. And have a great week.